Hey everybody, Adam Stott here. Thanks for checking out my podcast, Business Growth Secrets. You're absolutely in the right place. This podcast is going to reveal to you all of the secrets that you've been looking to discover that are going to allow you to cure your cash flow problems, attain more clients, bring in more leads for your business, and create systems and processes that give you the growth that you want. You are going to discover the business growth secrets you have been looking for that I've used to sell over 50 million pounds worth of products and services on social media and help clients everywhere to grow their businesses on the mark. So let's get started on the Business Growth Secrets podcast. Hi, everyone. Hi. We had a, a great time in Manchester when you came yes. up before, which yes, is incredible. And I love the story you were sharing. We had so much great feedback. Now, this group, just to give you context, is our gold circle group. So these are our clients that we uh, mentor in business, training, coaching, support. Yep. They're an incredible group of business owners. They've done some amazing things. And I wanted to try and get you to really share, you know, some of your story, the things yeah. that you've been through along the way. And many of them are at the stage where they're building their businesses. They've had the stresses, the frustrations of, mm -hmm. you know, that we spoke about. And yep. I know you've experienced. So maybe we'll start there. What yep. was it like? starting your own business what was the journey like how did you start off and where did we get started from yeah okay so my journey has been a very interesting one and it's been a very I guess it was quite organic for me very at the early stages so obviously the apprentice came around which changed everything but very very early days I was back what was I like 1920 I did not sit down and say I want to start a business I was nothing like that I actually went to uni I did fashion design with marketing production and I was told it's going to be difficult to get a job in fashion. You're going to struggle if, unless you move down to London. I'm, I'm based in Leeds. You can probably tell from my very strong accent. So I said, right, okay, I'm going to get a job in marketing. And I'm just going to see what I can do with fashion. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what I'm going to do with it. But I set up an Instagram page at the time. And it cost me nothing. And I would make clothes. I would just sew up bits, on, just, just for fun. And I started to post on Instagram. And I just slowly built this following up. I built this little community of people who loved the products. And they'd be messaging saying, oh, my God, can you do this in, like, blue or in my size? And da, da, da. And I'd be like, yeah, OK. And I was just making a little bit of money here and there. And then it got to the point where I had interest from stylists or, like, certain celebrities and... I had one celebrity in particular who is Rio Ferdinand's wife now, Kate. She was on TOWIE at the time. She was really big. And her stylist message said she's going away. She really wants all of the bikinis on this page. Can you just make her one of each? I was like, yes. She sent me a measurements. I spent about two weeks. I made all these bikinis, sent them out. And then I heard nothing from it for two, three months. And I actually thought, I think I've been scammed, to be fair. I think I've just made someone <laughs> a load of bikinis, living the life now on holiday. And then she wore one in Dubai. She wore two, actually. And she tagged our little this little Instagram page that I had. And that was where it went from being just a little sort of sideline to, oh, my God, wow, OK, I've got so many inquiries. You know, I'm a one-man band making everything. I was working full-time. So I'd be getting up at five, doing my sewing, going to work, going to the post office for lunch, and then after work, being customer service, being every element of that business. And it got to a point where I was like, okay, and, you know, I need to now build this into something that's a bit more substantial. 
that's kind of the very base of my business journey. I mean, it's, the journey has been ridiculous and crazy, but the actual start was not, you know, I didn't sit down and say, right, I've got 20 grand, I wanna, it wasn't like that. From the early days, it was all very organic. I built a little pot of money up. I, when I got to the position where I said, right, I need a website, because I can't do it all through Instagram. I got some quotes for websites. I had a couple of friends and I knew a few people. I got some quotes. They were like five, 10 grand. I was like, I can't afford a web. I ain't got that much. We made a little bit, but not that much. So I ended up just upskilling. I did a course in WordPress. I spent about 500 quid. And all these little things that I taught myself along the way were probably the best bits of money I'd ever spent because I have that. I'll never forget half the stuff that I learned. And it just allowed me to build a foundation on very minimal you know, amounts of money to then, I guess, grow. So that's the very start. Knowing that journey, because I, I love that about the last time that we, we spoke, you said you're right at the beginning, you're working a full-time job, taking your lunch breaks to go into the post office and virtually yeah. not being out of eat and then working all night. How long did that go on for? Th years. <laughs> years, yeah, long, a long time. Honestly, I've been with my boyfriend for 12 years now and I was living with him at the time and he used to, on a morning, bless, I'd be up at five sewing in the spare room and he'd be like, Shan, I literally, I'm getting up at five every day because you're doing my head in. But we, yeah, I mean, God, I did that for a long time because I was in a position as well where I was like, I'm not really comfortable enough yet to leave my job. Because and What was the job? So I worked in marketing, so mm. my first ever job was for a marketing agency in the north, which was one of the sort of bigger ones. Um, I enjoyed it, but I didn't. I kind of knew I wasn't going to be there forever, but it paid my bills. And I learned a lot about marketing, which was so important. Um, and then I went on to work for Asda, who, funnily enough, we supply now as a, as a brand, which is random. Um, but I worked in more the media department, so again, a really boring job. Not what I wanted to do, but every full-time job I had, I learned as much from the job as I could because I thought this will be beneficial at some point for my business, which they all were. Um, so yeah, it went on for a long time and it was very much, it, I was driven by, I, I enjoyed it. You know, I didn't used to get up on the morning and think, oh God, I've got 10 orders I need to do this morning. I'd be like buzzing, like, oh my God, people actually want to buy my clothes. Like, yeah, I'll make them. <laughs> and then it gets to the point where you're like, okay, I can't actually do it all myself anymore. And, you know, it was finding that balance of, am I ready to quit my job? I don't feel like I am. If I would have done that too soon, it would have become pressure and it probably would have changed my whole journey. So I did that right up until I went on The Apprentice. Um, and The Apprentice was the, the turning point really where I was like, right. So how did that all work out then? So you went on The Apprentice, what was yeah. it like? Oh gosh. So you guys have met some of the other Apprentice winners, right? I don't know how they describe it, but it, it, <laughs> it was the craziest journey ever. You just can imagine, you know, I'm just a very normal girl from the North. I, I applied for this uh, show because I used to watch it with my dad and I'd be like, oh my God, I used to say to him, I'd love to go on this show. I'd be, pick a better name than they have. And he'd be like, yeah, okay. So I seen the, the ad for it. I was like, right, I'm going to apply. I've got this business now. And I'd go to the auditions and every audition I'd be like, yeah, I'm probably going to get kicked out now. I turned up and it was just loads of like men in like suits and stuff. And I just rocked up with my little bag and I just kept getting through. And then when they told me I was going to be on the show, I was like, oh my God, like, okay. Now I just don't want to leave in the first week because that's like social suicide. Like I don't want to do that. I really don't want to leave first week. 
Um, and I said to myself, first week, just lie low. Like, just don't get involved. <laughs> don't be any, you know, PM, not, none of that. And I ended up, I think I was sub-team leader in the first week, and I don't know why. Even now, I don't know why I put myself forward for that. It was such a pressured environment. But yeah, the, oh, the, it's, it's hard to explain because it's business, but it's TV. And as a, just a normal person to go into that, you know, I'd never done anything like that before. It was so bizarre. You know, you kind of meet the other candidates and as much as you want to be friends, they're your competitors and then you're on task with them and you hate each other, but then you live together in a house for weeks. So it's the most weird situation ever. But I just slowly started to... I was very private in the house. You know, I never told anyone anything. No one knew a thing about me or my business, really. I told them what I wanted them to know. But a lot of people were really cool and they'd tell you everything. And I'd be thinking, when we get in that boardroom, I'm going down. Like, you're telling me way too much. <laughs> Honestly, you have to keep your cards close to your chest. So, yeah, it was really tough at first. And then you didn't really get to speak to home. And, you know, there was a lot of rules that made it a lot harder than, you know, you watch one episode on a Wednesday night or whatever, but to live in it, it's really difficult. But I got to a point where I had one phone call home, which was, it was listened in on. You had 10 minutes on a, you know, timer. And uh, every week I'd kind of been like, yeah, because it was listened on. I'm like, yeah, it's all good. Everything's great. Yeah, whatever. And then this one week I was like, do you know what? I think I'm going to win this. And my boyfriend were like, you need to relax. There's quite a few more weeks after. I'm like, no, honestly, I feel like I've sussed everyone out. I know how, I, I was so passionate about what I did as well in my business. I was like, I'm pretty sure I've got a really good chance. I might not win it, but I think I'll do okay. And then when I got to the final, same, I didn't actually think I was going to win it then. I had no idea what was going to happen because Lord Sugar, to what you see on TV is what I see in real life. That's how I had no, no clue what was going on in his head. Um, but I did just think if, if I didn't win, I would have been, I would have been gutted because I, I knew what I was capable of and I knew that, you know, together we would be able to make things work. So yeah, it was just the <laughs> crazy experience, but I actually, funnily enough, learned a lot about myself, which I didn't even expect to learn just by being in the process and even things like this, you know, like public speaking for me before The Apprentice, I'd never do anything like this. I was quite, I'm pretty shy in real life, really, anyway. They'd put you in situations. I remember one task, they said, right, you're going to pitch in front of like four directors of whatever. It was an aeroplane task. I really remember it. Oh, it was horrendous. And I was like, okay, cool. I'm happy if it's a room and there's four people. Yeah, whatever. So I'd wrote my, I had like five minutes to write this pitch. I'm like, okay, don't even know what I'm saying. And then as the letters out, it was a room and it, I think there was about 300 people in there. There was loads of people. And imagine they didn't tell us any of this. They just filmed it. So as I walked out, I was like, oh my God, I thought it was going to be <laughs> four people in a room. But I, I had absolutely no choice. I had to go out and do this pitch and just, you know, do what I had to do. So it really pushed me outside my comfort zone and... I never even expected, you know, that to be the case, really, with a, with a show or anything like that. So I do, obviously, winning it was major, but the things I learned on it were also great. You know, it really built me, I guess, as a, as a person and as the person I am today in some respects. And, of course, you won, which is uh, amazing. Why do yes. you think that you you secured the win in the end? What do you think was the reasons? 
I think, I think that although you're judged on task and although the, t the tasks are, are a lot harder than what you think, you know, what you see on TV, it's, it's so much harder back behind the scenes and it's very short time scales, you know, it, you, you barely get, people say, why don't you just Google things? I'm like, do you really think that we can Google? We don't have phones or, you know, you can't do any of that. It's, it's very difficult. Um, but I think that for me, you're judged on task, but also off. And I like to think I'm, I'm quite a good person, uh, just as, as a person. You know, I know about business, but as a normal person, I'm, I'm good. So whether I was on task, off task, behind the scenes, whatever, I was just me. You know, there was no way you could not be yourself because, you know, you're living in a house with everyone. So I think that as my business was solid, my idea was solid, and I think my business plan I know was amazing in comparison to others because I did get a glance at some of theirs at some points and I was very thorough but I also think that my character you know and I think for probably Lord Sugar's team or Lord Sugar himself I'm not sure I probably thought I have to actually be able to work with this person too off TV you know off camera so I think there was a lot of that that probably played into it as well if I'm honest but and what was it like? What were some of the fundamental lessons that you go into business now? Yeah. You take this business that you've been working on, that you've been working on for years in the background. Yeah. And you're now going and sitting down in a boardroom with a billionaire. And that billionaire is looking at this business. What starts to change? Well, the funny thing is when I, so as probably most people think, when I won it, I was like, okay, so when the cameras stop, it's probably going to be like super chill and really nice. And, <laughs> and he really was just the same off camera as he was on. So I was like, okay, right, fine. But he was very to the point, as he is on TV, he says what he thinks, he's very much about, okay, I had my business plan. He was like, right, okay, let's go. You know what? And I was exactly the same. I was passionate. I was like, I'm not, I didn't come on this uh, as a TV show necessarily. I came on it for an investment and to get this partnership. So to work with him was, I think we, we both were similar in that sense. Although I'd say I'm really nice and friendly, our characters worked quite well, you know, as a duo. Um, so to work with him and, and his team and to start to map out things like, okay, so in my head, I thought my brand was big and that people, no one knew my brand. No one knew who we were. So it was like, okay, we need to have some kind of like a launch. Now we've got the show as well. We can use the PR from the show. You know, we've got a bit of this that we can use as a push. So we kind of planned to do this big launch party and it really helped us get, he has so many contacts as you can imagine, but he really helped us to just get everybody at this launch. Cause I was like, we need celebrities. You know, we're a, we were a, a, a swimwear brand. It was winter, so I was like, it's not a great time, but if we can make a bit of a mark now while the show's big, then for summer next year, we should do really well. And, you know, we together we kind of planned out this big launch in Essex. We got everyone, every, we had this launch party where there was people there who I'd watched on TV my whole life. And they was coming to me to ask for a picture. I was like, like Mark Wright from, I was like, yeah, I'll get a picture. So, you know, we just, we went. We, we launched with a bang, and I think we did really well at using the show as a as a foundation. I guess um, you know we had retailers interested in working with us off the back of the show. We had, and I was very much like I need to go into mass production. I, you know, imagine I was a small brand, and I'm like, okay, 
I need to mass produce. I've got these retailers. And I had no clue about any of that. So, and there were certain areas Lord Sugar didn't either. You know, in, in terms of fashion, he was very honest about, I don't know about the fashion industry. So there was a lot that I had to learn myself and trial and error, find contacts. And, you know, now I'm in this position where I'm like, God, it, that was with a boost and with an investment. Without that, you know, it's so hard to start something and build it to where you want to be when you don't actually have the contacts and things like these you know and networking and meeting people this is it's so important because that's how you can meet them people half the battle for me I was like well even with Lord Sugar I'm like but it doesn't mean he knows the best factories in wherever I want to produce you know or in the UK it was still you know it was still difficult but um so did you yeah. you quit your job you go full-time in the business yeah. what were kind of the baptism of fire for you. You went out, you've got to go and build the contacts. Yeah. What was your first, how did you plan and map that out and then go and find those contacts? So I guess off the back of, of the launch, for example, and having these retailers come into us, which in most instances, you're the one trying to get the retailers. It was all a bit back to front. So I was like, you know, like I was saying, I'm like, okay, I need to go into mass production. I need to work out my, my business plan had, certain elements that as soon as the show ended and we had these new opportunities, I'm like, this wasn't even part of my business plan. So this is a whole new avenue, you know, and I'm like, I need to work out my margins. I need to work out um, my shipping costs, things that I've never, I'd never even thought of previously in some respects. So it was very much like, and I'm not business background. So I am I'm fashion design. I know marketing inside out, but business itself was a big part of, okay, well, Lord Sugar hopefully can cover that side for me. Um, so it was very much just about all these different elements to business and saying, well, I need to I need to plan these out. You know, I need to know what my margins are. I need to know what, um, what should I be charging, what's viable to charge for me to sell online, but also for the retailers, because the margins the retailers want are crazy. So I'm like, okay, can I actually make any money out of this? Or is this just an awareness piece? And looking at all the different elements to it, to work out the best plan of action at the early, early stages. And how, how did that feel, having to learn all those numbers when it's completely against your... Scar just scary lonely and, and even in a sense of having a business partner you know he's not on speed dial 24 7 i'm not sat down every day in the boardroom with him you know he's there but not not like you know daily so there were a lot of things that i just be like okay and you know, I have really great support systems as in my partner, my mum and dad, you know, but they don't get it. My partner did, but he wasn't fashion. My parents didn't because they're not business at all. And they're very much grafters who've worked in the same job the whole life. So business scares them. You know, so for me to sit down with my mum and dad and say, oh, I've got this problem and I'm not, they would probably make me feel more stressed at the end of it. So <laughs> it was very much about you know, attending events, using The Apprentice as well to connect on things like LinkedIn. I'm actually not great on LinkedIn even now, but especially at that time, I was like, I need to just build some connections to be out and about, to be networking, to meet people. So, and kind of you saying to Lord Sugar, look, I need a, I need a foot in the door here or I need a bit of help here. What, what can we do? Can you help me? Um, but a lot of it was off my own back. And I think I just... Trial and error as well. I've try, I, I tried agents. I, I've had nightmare of times with agencies across the board. You know, I was looking for 
PR agencies, I was looking for marketing agencies and I've tested the waters. I used my old agency for a little while and I was crazily disappointed because to me, they was like one of the biggest in the North, they're gonna do an amazing job. We know each other. And you know, knowing what I know now, I'm like, I felt like I was really underwhelmed and overcharged. And I think that's a common theme at times. So you have to be so savvy with having contacts who have them contacts who can say legitimately, I've worked with them, they're really good. Because half the time people will sell the absolute dream. You know, we talk about, I can talk about all areas, but social media, social media advertisements, everybody is an expert in social media now. Everyone will tell you, well, we'll get you an ROI of 20. And, mm. and then you get to the, you know, you get to the bones of it and you're like, I've paid you five grand this month and I've not even made that back. Like there's yeah. so many areas where, you know, people sure, can it's just... It's so interesting. So what we've been walking through this morning, uh, for everyone, you weren't in the room, but yeah. we talked about the foundation. So this is where... Sean had the foundations nailed, knows what she's going to offer, knows how to take it to market, knows who the product is, knows who it's for. She's then got the branding elements done from The Apprentice. Now she's moving into the phase of going out there and having conversations. Yeah. And even with all that backing, you found that part of challenge, basically. Yeah. Where did the breakthrough come in those conversations? What was the first breakthrough moment in getting this business sped up? Like, Was there a particular key contact that you made? I think... I wouldn't say key contact. I think it was actually, there was a lot of noise. So when I talk about business now, I talk about it so differently to how I used to because my mindset's different now. So there was a lot of noise. There was a lot of things, especially off the back of a show and becoming a celebrity and being known and battling with bloody trolls online, you know, things that just took you away from the business side. There were so many things that... Um, in my business plan, I was like, right, I need to focus on the all of these. But I actually realized when I boil it right down for me, I needed to understand who my audience was. I needed to know who my customer was, how I, how I find them or how I get myself in front of them. So forgetting about everything else and forgetting about, okay, I want to do a pool party here and I want to do this because my marketing plan covered off so much that it was like, I actually just need to work out who they are, where they are, and how I can actually get in front of them and be better than my competition or warm them up to eventually convert. So it was, it was difficult because I just went at and attacked everything. Whereas now I look back and I'm like, <laughs> I should have just, you know, that should have been my plan. I should have just said, right, okay, and, and tested and learned from things. So... It's really interesting because we haven't had a conversation today so far at all. Not, not at but all. This is exactly what we've been speaking about. This is it? Exactly, exactly what we've been speaking about. That's good. And, and when you found where they were and who they were yeah. and you put your offer towards them, you, what was it? it was Asda was one of the first big deals you got, was it not? As, well, ASOS was the first big, big deal that we got. Um, and then we had House of Fraser. Um, we, had, we had loads and we kind of got a few international um, retailers that were interested and then Asda was more recently um, and all of these were really great because it allowed us to although we obviously had the How investment. How long did it take to knock the first domino down because essentially these these types of people ASOS, House of Fraser, mm -hmm. Asda when you're in House of Fraser it's a lot easier to get Asda on board isn't it? Yeah. When you're in ASOS it's easier to get those on board yeah. so it's like knocking the domino down to get the next one right? Yeah. So how long did it take to knock the first domino down 
And then how long was it before you got the next one? Well, we was really lucky because we had ASOS and I think House of Fraser came to us off the back of the show. Oh, nice. So we kind of, they came to us, which is unheard of in most situations, right? Um, so our, our first domino as such came very quickly. Um, but you know what? There's, there's two elements to that. You have to keep them happy, which yeah. is another battle. <laughs> you know, yeah. you can get your foot in the door, but if, if it don't work, they don't, they're not interested. There's millions of other brands that can get on board, you know, so you have to kind of think about all of that. Um, but also that idea of margin. So for me, I look back now and I think retail worked really well when it did because it allowed us to fund our online, which was really important because we wanted to be able to fulfill our online orders. And without that, we would have had to take a big risk on buying a big bulk of stock and not knowing if it were going to sell or not. Um, but as we've evolved and as I've looked at my efficiency and my numbers, I'm like, retail is great, but online is better in some respects. If I can do online direct to customer, my margin is so much higher that retail is great for awareness. And if you're in the right place, then you know, you're building your audience. It kind of, it's a full circle, it's really good, but it's not a huge money maker. You're online, if you're an online you know, brand or service or whatever, is your bread and butter because that's where your margin is and that's where you're building your own direct community. You're not relying on you know, others or having to use marketing spend to promote another retailer. You're doing it all yourself. So it's so valuable to be able to kind of push that. Um, but yeah. Brilliantly. So, so in terms of going on that journey, where, where are we now? What's been changing for you? Because you, you now, you just, did you, you actually decided to go your own way in the yes, end, didn't you? I did, On yeah. the business. So how yeah. did that come, come around? So I, I think it was at the start of this year. I can't really remember. So I turned 30 last October and people say, why do you keep going on about it? I'm like, because it was a pivotal time for me where I was like, right, I've spent my 20s, my teens even, kind of wanting to push, 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 push. And, you know, sacrificing, as we all do, whatever age we are, when you're starting a business, everything is a sacrifice for it to work, right? But I got to 30, I was like, right, I've been with my partner for a long time. I'm like, I wanna, I wanna have kids and stuff at some point. You know, I wanna relax a little bit more. Um, and I wanna be able to do other things too. So being on a show, there's a lot of rules, a lot of things you can't necessarily do. You know, you're kind of contracted in things. So I got to a point I was like, no, I wanna this year make it a bit more about me now. And I'm in a comfortable enough position to be able to relook at the business as well, change a few things. Like I was saying, retail was great, but for me, I'm like, I really wanna push online. I look at some of the competitors to us they are online only, and I'm like, I know why, because they're making good money online, and it's much, much easier. You know, we have retail in general is difficult because, you know, if you miss one deadline for delivery, they will cancel the whole thing, and then you're sat with this big bulk of stock, like, okay, what am I going to do with that? So, you know, there's a lot of, but there's pros, there's cons, whatever. So, yeah, this year I kind of said, right, I want to... I want to take it back. I really appreciate everything, all the help I've had from Lord Sugar, from his team. Everything's super amicable. You know, there's no big drama or gossip or any fallout or anything like that. It was purely more me saying, I have a direction I want to go in now. You know, I want to make this business super efficient, but it, I don't want it to be where it's taken over my life. I want to be able to do other things as well. Um, I do lots of like consultants. I'm so passionate about 
helping other people because I know the, the stress of it and, I, and I've been there and I get it and I've got so many contacts that I'm like, I want to be able to actually help people. Because like I said, I know I'm, I'm probably slamming agencies, but I'm like, I've been swindled so much that I'm like, I want to be able to help people stop doing that. So this year was very much about, you know what? I want to have my business running. It's pretty self-sufficient in that sense now. It's, you know, it's doing its thing. I want to do a little bit more consultancy, but I guess off the back of consultancy then, I've, I've built out almost a, a marketing agency because, yeah. you know, people have needed help implementing not just strategy. So Is that dealing with mainly fashion or mainly e-commerce brands? Or? Every, any, yeah, yeah. Everyone and anyone, because mm. it's the same with consulting. It's interesting, I, I originally had clients where at first it was a bit like, oh, but it's fashion, you know, do you know about dentistry? I'm like, well... I don't know about dentistry, but I know about business. And I know about some of the fundamentals that matter for every single type of business. Um, more... so when we talk about the marketing, yeah. what would you say are some of the fundamentals that you, you like to get across when you're working with people? Um, do you focus think... more on the creative aspect or more on the numbers aspect? What, or do Bit you... of everything. Yeah. Bit of everything. I think content is the if first If we said like for, the, for everyone in the room, three or four things on their marketing they should focus on, what would you say those So things? the first thing I would always say is the content, as in, it's hard to explain without showing examples, but if you're using, you know, if you've got a marketing plan and you said, right, we're going to do some social media ads, we're going to have a social media page, we're going to do, build a website, we're going to, whatever it is, however you're going to promote your product, right? You know, you're going to do some Google ads online. If you haven't got good content, so if, if your pictures that you're using across them platforms are not selling your product right, you may as well stop. Like one thing that we had a major breakthrough with, slightly different, but we pivoted in COVID. So we was a pure swimwear brand and COVID forced us to, to pivot and we moved into loungewear. But what I found very quickly with lounge was the way we shot that content was so powerful that we attracted audiences that we never even expected to because it just hit the mark so having the the right content is the first thing I would say before you do anything you need to make sure you you your content works and it's multi-platform so you're not just getting a really nice clean video that you can use on YouTube that you can repurpose that to use across Instagram on reels on um TikToks on anywhere um so, you know, content is a big part. And you you specifically referencing quality of content Quality. As well. Yeah. A mixture of types. So, you know, not just, you know, one thing that I was I did wrong, I'd do a photo shoot and I'd get the most amazing pictures, amazing, amazing pictures, a few different outfits, great. And I could use them for about two weeks because they were done then. Okay, I've got 30 pictures. I can use them across socials. But there weren't mixed media. There were, there were one type of picture. Nowadays, across social media, across websites, people want to see real people. So when I talk about marketing, I always talk about the fact that you, you, you're selling to an audience that don't want to be sold to. So they don't always want to see an ad. They want to see like a real person using a product or, or using your service or giving feedback or giving a review testimonial and it has to be engaging nowadays you know just having an image on a page with some writing could work and you can test it but having a visual of somebody talking to camera with words at the bottom of the screen all these different elements like instantly capture audiences because people are so visual nowadays they ain't got time to read they really want to just see um 
so there's, there's, I could talk all day about content. I'm so passionate about it, but it's such an important part because I, that's where I feel like a lot of businesses get it wrong initially. The content's not good enough. Mm. And then you've got a really great website, but you know, even on the website, if your content's not where it should be, you know, if you're checking your metrics, are people just clicking in and clicking off because they're not interested? Or you're, not, you're not keeping them there? Everything matters, and that's why marketing, you know, for me, I see it as a full circle. It's, it's powerful when you get it right. But there can be one element that can just break the whole chain because your content's not good enough, so nothing else that we're going to do will work in some respects. Um, and it's so true, right? You can drive traffic as to, you can drive as much traffic if you want. If you drive them to a page that is not there for them to convert on, they won't convert, right? Exactly. You know, if the copyright and if the promise isn't there, you're not going to get the conversion, yeah. right? So it's definitely the content. So what else? Yeah. I'm going to sort of chip so away at you a little bit. I'd say and, content. Uh, <laughs> and then obviously, I'd say, I mean, website is such an important part because unless you have a store, your website is your store, right? It's your online yeah. store. So it's usually, maybe by your social pages, it's the first place people will go and get a real feel for who you are as a business. So if I go onto a website, so sometimes I work with clients and the first thing I'll go on is the site and I'm like, oh, okay, this needs to change because my journey on that site as a yeah. potential customer is shocking. I don't really know what I'm being sold as soon as I go on it. Websites are so intricate that if you have the wrong image at the top when people first go on or the wrong tagline, it will just turn people off. They're not interested. You've got them for about five seconds, not even that. So you have to be really clear with, you know, the strategy. And if you're doing ads, for example, you want to pull them into a page where whatever you're advertising, it's very obviously there. Um, and a lot of business owners really struggle to look at their own things objectively. Yes. Re yes. Really. How many of you have found that? You look at the same thing. It's all right. And then someone else looks at you and think, oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, a lot of the time, it is a real struggle for business owners to look at it yeah. like a client. But it's critical to put yourself in the shoes of somebody else using that. Exactly. And that user experience is so important. Exactly. Right? Thinking about it as even price point, I'm exactly the same. I, I, I'm the same with my own brand. I'm so attached to it now, I can't make my own decisions in some ways because I'm like, well, I think it looks great. I'd buy it. But then I'm like, okay, what's the price point? When I first go on it, how do you feel about that price point to how it looks? You know, I work with brands who are um, the discount, so they sell like discounted products, but the website just screams discount to a point where I'm like, people still want to feel like it's a nice product though. They don't just want to see that it's constant discount. You know, you don't just want to buy tart. You still want your content to say, we're really good quality, but we are cheaper than most. So... Yeah, and There's if you so look at, much. say, Zara, for example, yes. they sell a, a, a low-cost product, but they present it Very in the same way Dolce & Gabbana present yeah. it, right? And why do yeah. you think they're selling more, right? Because of that reason. That's why one of the biggest companies in the world, yeah, exactly. because their presentation is so, so done so well, right? Exactly that, yeah. yeah. Exactly that. I think people... So content, user experience, and user experience. talk about the metrics a little bit as well, because I think it's something that I talk to this group a lot about, you know, how do you look at the metrics? You were talking there about spending time and really looking at those, those aspects. Yeah. So metrics is in like the website. So when yeah. people go on the, um, the website, what we'll look at is the full back end. So even lots of like Google analytics, things that a lot of people, right, and even me, I didn't know about a lot of these elements until I set up the business and got to a point where it became so important that 
that was like the key to, okay, so I can now understand why I'm not selling, for example. So I might have a range and there's certain products that don't sell very well. And from by using the metrics in the back end of the website or from social media ads, for example, I'm so big on social media ads because it's a really, you know, lucrative way of marketing if you get it right, but it's also a massive burner if you get it wrong. And I see it like, you know, content matches up at 100% to that. But if you have ads running and you can get a sweet spot and you've found a really good audience type and the targets are all done really, really well, you can push that, you know, you can bump up your ad spend. And because it's daily ad spend, although you have to have budgets, you know, you might say, okay, it's gonna cost me a thousand pound a month, for example, because you're only spending a small amount of that every day and it can be tweaked every day, it takes a little bit of time to kick in, but you can very quickly in some respects find scale. the sweet spot yeah. and scale. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm major on ads, but I'm also big on only working with people who are recommended on ads because you can also get it super wrong. And a lot of people will say, yeah, but we're testing, we're learning, you know, it's going to take a few more months. Really, you should be starting to see something in a few months, let's say three, four months. You want to start to see a little bit coming back or at least a break even. But, you know, if you don't know, you will just be like, okay, well, yeah, we'll do another six months and we'll see how we get on. But you're constantly, it's just constantly testing and learning, using those metrics, looking at the websites. Like I said, you might have someone who is clicking onto a page, clicking straight off it. There's something wrong with that page. What's wrong with it? Why are they clicking off? You know, what heat mapping, assessing where people are going and what they're doing whilst they're on there. Um, oh, there's, there's so, you could talk all day, right? There's, there's so many <laughs> elements, but I think, yeah, you know, your website. Websites are way more than just a shop front and something to look nice. I think I, I, I've learned that over the years. There's so much more to a site than just having some nice pictures and people being able to shop through it, as, for example. But there's also elements, you know, I'll work with people at times who, it's not an e-com website, so it's just, a, it's just a front. So people go on it and then they send quotes for things, for example. As Soon as I started working with them, I'm saying, well, listen guys, you can sell your products through the site. So think about your customer journey. Can anyone be bothered writing a quote? Would they rather just buy it straight there and then if they can? Of course they would. What are your competitors doing? They're selling through their site, so why are you not? Just looking at all them elements and thinking about how a customer shops or, or you know, would want to use your service or whatever and really making sure that that experience is as simple as possible and you can keep them you know, where you want them. And once you've converted them and they've bought from you, retargeting, hitting them back up, using your email strategies, using these your ads to hit them again to say, you bought this, you like this, look at this that we sell to, you know, or having really great metrics on your site so you can see what they're clicking on to target them with that. There's so much that when you, you know, when you're up and running and you're ready, you can really use and it the is so much. As a tool. And and for some people at the beginning it's quite overwhelming. Yeah. But the payoff and I want to, you know, what would you say the payoff to knowing and nailing this stuff is? And I say it so much to everyone, but I want, you know, just from a different voice. What's the payoff for being able to do this right in the right way? Well, I don't know. I feel under pressure. I might get it wrong, but I'd just say you, you, you sell more. You, you have a new <laughs> audience. You've got new customers. You've got a whole new database and community that you build. So one thing I'm really big on is, you know, I keep going on about customer journey, but more because... 
you want to, you've kind of, I see it as funnels, right? So when you're doing ads, for example, it's a funnel and you've got a cold audience, which is people who've never heard of you ever before. And then you move them up that funnel because you start hitting them with ads until you convert them and then they're hot. But you still want to keep that kind of heat so that they still remember you. So like I'm saying about email marketing, it's a great way of saying, don't forget about us, guys. Don't, don't go to a competitor, come back to us. So it's just about, you know, keeping these people on board once you've got them and then bringing out new products or bringing out another service or cross-selling, upselling, whatever you can to keep converting these people. And that's your community then. So, you know, I, that's kind of my answer. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's awesome. Absolutely <laughs> awesome. So what's next for you, Sean? You know, you've got lots going on. Lots. You're now you, on your own, rocking out yeah. with this business. You're I'm just do... living life, you know. I'm just enjoying life now. No, so... so you actually seem super happy, right? I am. I yeah. actually genuinely am. I feel like... You know what I'm really big on as well? I, I love social media because it's kind of part of what I do, but, but real life, like actually being happy in real life and... And doing what I want to do in real life. Is that possible? No, that's what I mean. Nobody, that's what it feels like. You know, I always say to business owners as well, I'm always big on, right, you need to know what your competition are doing. But don't, be, don't feel like disheartened by what they're doing. Like, I see it as a more of a boost. I'm like, oh my God, they're doing, I want to do that next. Or, you know, looking at other people and seeing what they're doing. Sometimes it can be overwhelming. I feel like social media is just, it can be very fake. And a lot of things you see are not real. And, you know, you, you can sometimes be disheartened by what you're seeing on there. And it's like, just forget about it for a sec. Like, focus on what you want to do and what your goal is. Building your strategy and just keep churning that out. And don't be distracted by what everybody else is doing. Because 90% of the time, it's not real. Or it's all a facade for social media. Because the sales, you know, the, it, it's, really, it's a really, really tricky one. But, yeah, for me, you know, I'm just... I'm in a really so what good you're saying place. is get focused and follow get it through. Get focused, yeah. make a plan, have a strategy and just keep pushing. And, and I'm very big on passion because I'm, you know, and it doesn't have to be a passion as in a, a service. You might be passionate about making money, right? Whatever. But I just think having that passion is what gets you out of bed on a morning. And a lot of the time there's there's problems you know there's issues there's hurdles there's things that you're trying to fix and unless you've got that passion for something you know you you won't want to get out of bed so you you always want to constantly find the answers to things that's been my life for the past 10 years it's like okay I don't know what I'm going to do next but I'm going to find an answer because there's a way around it because everyone else has succeeded in this so I don't see why I'm not gonna but I think that's why I see a lot of small businesses there's a high percentage fail in the first year and I think it's because they hit certain hurdles and say I don't know what to do here that's it I'll, just, I'll go back to my job or whatever but the ones that find the answers are the ones that succeed so it's really just having that Getting resourceful right yeah yeah going. absolutely Sean been amazing everybody should we give her a massive massive Thank round you. of applause Hi everybody, Adam here, and I hope you loved today's episode. Hope you thought it was fabulous. And if you did, I'd like to ask you a small favor. Could you jump over and go and give the podcast a review? Of course, I'll be super grateful if that is a five-star review. We're putting our all into this podcast for you, delivering you the content, giving you the secrets. And if you've enjoyed it, please go and give us a review and talk about what your favorite episode is perhaps. 
every single month I select someone from that review list to come to one of my exclusive academy days and have lunch with me on the day meeting hundreds of my clients so if you want that to be you then you're going to be in with a shout if you go and give us a review on iTunes please of course do remember to subscribe so you can get all the up-to-date episodes peace and love and I'll see you very very soon thank you